Well, today we are finishing up a series called Avoid It. And we're talking about avoiding loneliness. This space where I'm in has been an incredible place for us through the years to avoid loneliness. I'm here in our old office space. And you probably, this for most of you, this feels really familiar. Uh, maybe you were baptized here in this baptistry, like I was. Maybe your wedding took place here, or maybe you dedicated a child right here in this space. Maybe you were part of a men's group Monday night football event, or a women's ministry gathering, or a young professionals event. I don't know, maybe you were part of the volunteer pig roast that we did years ago that got rained out, and we had to bring the entire pig inside this space. Or Maybe you were part of that crazy youth team that decided to transform this space into an indoor slip and slide. Still one of the wildest things that I have ever seen inside of a building. Well, this space has been home to some incredible events that that fostered so much community and so much connection. But now this building has been sold. And soon it's going to be torn down. So for the time being, this building sits here empty. You ever think that loneliness just has a real empty kind of a feeling? 13 months ago, Cigna did a study. And what they found was that 61% of adults surveyed said that they were lonely. Now, this was just before the coronavirus pandemic. I can't even imagine what the number would be now. And these were all working adults, everyone who was gainfully employed. And yet they found out that more than three in five adults pre-corona who were working said, you know what? I am lonely. The reality is we have never been more connected as a society. And yet we have never been more lonely. And no one is immune to loneliness. Even the legendary Tom Brady, who takes the stage in the Super Bowl tonight, throw it here, Tom. He experienced loneliness. You know, he'd he'd had three Super Bowls under his belt. And famously, in an interview with 60 Minutes, he'd achieved everything that his heart desired. You know what he said? It's got to be more than this. What Tom experienced was that it's lonely at the top. You get to the top and you realize it's not all it's cracked up to be. So what do we do if even Tom Brady can be lonely? I went online this week and I started searching. How do you, how do you avoid loneliness? And I found two themes on the internet that kept repeating. And those themes were get out and give back. Real practical stuff, super helpful. Every day, we should seek to get out, get outside, get moving, you know, just get unstuck from being isolated, and then also give back. So find a way to be part of something bigger than yourself. Give back to a cause or just find a way to make a difference in somebody's life each day. Great practical tips. But here's the thing. First of all, you probably already know get out and give back. But you're also probably doing those things already, aren't you? And yet, we still find ourselves lonely. So how do we avoid 
loneliness. And it's always great to get a gift, especially when you don't know it's coming. A few weeks ago, our youth pastor, Matt Komar, he got me a gift and I had no idea that it was coming. In fact, I have no idea where he got this thing. And I don't know what it is about youth pastors and and practical jokes, but one day I walk into my office and this is what I see. (laughs) I guess he just thought, man, Derek needs a little bit more spirituality. He needs a little bit more Jesus in his life. (laughs) Thanks, Komar. Well, I don't know what comes to mind when you picture Jesus. But for me, when I think about Jesus, I think about his incredible teachings. I think about the miracles and the healings. I think about the hope that I have in Jesus, the power that he had in his resurrection to overcome death. But I don't spend a lot of time thinking about Jesus and his struggles. The reality is Jesus was fully God and fully human all at the same time. And though he did not sin, Jesus experienced the fullness of the human struggle. He knew what it was like to be challenged. He knew what it was like to be tired and lonely. The passage that I want us to look at today, Jesus is experiencing one of the most difficult times in his ministry. We pick up this story in the Garden of Gethsemane. And just a little context for you. Jesus knows that he's about to go to the cross. He is going to endure a Roman crucifixion. And so with that in mind, he gathers his disciples and check out what it says. Matthew 26, starting in verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Then he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Now that word troubled, there's three different Greek words that could have been used there. This was the strongest of the three. The idea here is Jesus was in great distress. He's basically starting to freak out. Then Jesus said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Think about those words. Imagine if you're one of the disciples and you heard Jesus, the the wonder worker, the master teacher say, I'm overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. This is truly one of the lowest points in Jesus' entire ministry. And in this account, I want you to notice two things that Jesus does that we need to take note of as we seek to avoid loneliness. You like jelly beans? Right over here, I've got a whole bunch of jelly beans, all different colors, all different flavors. Each one of these jelly beans represents a person. This one is you, Komar. Mm, That's good. You may have heard of the famous British anthropologist, Robin Dunbar, or maybe you've heard the term, the Dunbar number. You see, Dunbar is famous for coming up with this number, 150, which represents the maximum number of relationships that a human being can maintain at one time. Now, out of these 150 relationships that we can maintain, 
Dunbar also says that only about 50 of them or so can actually be close relationships. So like think about a, a dinner party. Okay, there's only about 50 people that you can really truly keep up with. And then out of those 50, there's really about 15 or so that you can confide in. There's really only about 15 people that, that you're going to turn to for sympathy when, when life is tough, maybe when you're lonely. And then finally, you have an inner circle of five. This inner circle represents your most intimate relationships. The most you can have is five people. So why I think this is so interesting is because when we look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, here's what we see. Jesus isn't with a whole ton of people. He's not with the crowds. He's not with all of his followers. He's with who? He's with his 12 disciples. So he's got his confidants right there. Dunbar says it's a max of 15. Jesus has 12. And then Jesus tells those 12, please sit down. I'm going to take Peter, James, and John to go pray. So Jesus' inner circle was three. And what we see time and time again in Jesus' ministry is though he could have been hanging out with hundreds, if not thousands of people and trying to invest in all these different folks, Jesus knew this Dunbar principle 2,000 years before Dunbar even came up with it. And that is that you could only invest quality time in a few people. Jesus prioritized quality over quantity when it came to his relationships. So I want to ask you, when it comes to your relationships, are you prioritizing quality over quantity? Because here's the reality. There are tons of people that you're connected to in all of your social circles. But are you making time for those who are closest to you? Are you making time for your confidants, for the people who really know you and understand you? Are you making time to have conversations that really matter? You know, one of the things that I love about community groups at Grace Community Church is that we're intentional about having conversations that really matter. Community groups are basically this principle and action of quality over quantity. They're environments where we can invest time and energy in one another. We can get to know one another. We can support each other. We can pray for each other. And these groups, especially right now, with all that we're facing, are so incredibly important. I want to let you know, if you are connected with a group at Grace, please, you owe it to yourself to make that group a priority. I know it's hard. I know you're tired and you're tired of being online, but it is so critically important that we have these conversations that we're pushing in to these relationships that really matter. And if you're not in a group, I want to invite you. Today, we're starting some new groups. So please go ahead and, and go to trygrace.org slash groups, or you can click right there on the button in the chat. We would love to connect you with a group. Now, I do want to give you a warning. And that warning is that you can be applying this principle, this quality over quantity principle, and you can still be lonely. 
In fact, you can be applying this, this principle. You can be investing time and energy into those relationships that matter the most to you, and you can find that those people let you down. In fact, that's exactly what happens to Jesus here in this passage. Jesus goes off to pray. When he comes back, he finds his disciples asleep. Not once, not twice, but three separate times that night. The reality is, those relationships, we're all human. And there's going to be times where the people you need most, they're not available to you. Or they're not in the right headspace. Or they say the wrong things. Or they just don't understand what you're going through or where you're coming from. It's just one of those things that happens in life. So what do you do when you're pushing in to this quality over quantity principle? What do you do when you're trying to connect with your confidants and your inner circle and you're still lonely? Verse 39 says, going a little farther, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Maybe you can remember a time when your face was to the ground in prayer. Maybe actually that's where you are right now. If that's the case, I just want to let you know how sorry I am for whatever you're going through right now. But take comfort in knowing that Jesus also experienced face-to-the-ground moments in his life where he was facing the agony of the cross, crying out to his heavenly father saying, take this cup from me. Don't, please, I don't want to do this. He knew the pain. He knew the agony. He knew the suffering that was about to happen. And I love in this moment, just how real and raw, just how genuine Jesus is in his relationship with his heavenly father. There was nothing that Jesus couldn't talk about with his heavenly father. Then he continues. He says, yet not as I will, but as you will. So Jesus, in his flesh, in his humanity, he didn't want to go to the cross. But in his divinity, he said, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to swallow up sin and death so that we could be made righteous in the eyes of God. What Jesus is doing here is basically the thing that he's been doing his entire earthly life. He's in prayer with his heavenly father. Luke captures it so well in chapter 5, verse 16. He says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You know, the disciples let Jesus down. There will be people in your life who will let you down. But even when you're lonely, you are never alone. Your heavenly father is always with you. You know, this month is Black History Month, and it's when we celebrate the amazing contributions to to society of some famous African-Americans. And when we hear these stories, or maybe, you know, you've heard about them in school, um, one of the things that's often left out is the massive role that faith plays in the lives of so many You know, uh, Jackie Robinson, famous for breaking baseball's color barrier. He endured 
all kinds of racist remarks, death threats, and all sorts of unfair calls at the hands of the umpires of the baseball league. And yet, he did it all with dignity. How did Robinson manage to constantly turn the other cheek? Well, the truth is that every night before he went to bed, Robinson hit his knees. Maybe he even had a few nights with his face to the ground because of what he was dealing with, what he was going through. And he prayed for God's help. We all know that Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on the bus. But did you know that it was her relationship with God that gave her the strength and the courage to do it? When asked about that moment, she said, since I've always been a strong believer in God, I knew that he was with me and only he could get me through that next step. I love those words, she says. I knew that he was with me. Listen, you may be so lonely right now, but you need to remember that you are never, ever alone. Even when everyone else can let you down, God is always with you. I wonder if Jesus knew just how important this truth was because of the fact that it's the very last thing that he says in Matthew's gospel, the very last words, check this out. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus' final words before he ascends to heaven to his disciples and to us, surely I am with you always. This is Jesus' promise to you. God is with you, God is for you, and God loves you. And even when you're lonely, you're never alone. Let me pray for you. God, this life is really hard. Please, God, help us in our times of loneliness. Help us to prioritize quality over quantity when it comes to our relationships, Lord. Help us to have conversations that really matter. And Lord, remind us above all else that even when we're lonely, we are never, ever alone. In Jesus' name, amen.